Good morning. Oh, I don't know. Not convincing me with that. Well, hey, it's good to be here this morning, and maybe like you, I'm not an early morning person, but on a morning like this, when you prepare, you get up a little bit earlier, and you want to be sure that you get everything right, but I'm reminded that I have a lot of really gracious, awesome, faithful servants that pray for myself and Matt and Jordan, um, our staff, and I just want to say thank you uh, because that means so much to us just to know what's happening, but we also know that there's great um, amount of power um, and, uh, and it just uh, means a lot to us, so thank you. Well, today we're going to continue in our series, Psalms for the Summer. The series, much like our life, addresses topics such as forgiveness, loneliness, regret, doubt, and a whole host of more themes. But we also see in the depth of our sin or our despair, we can still exalt and praise and worship the God of creation, grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 51. We all need renewal. So if you have a Bible or device, would you please uh, begin to open up to that psalm? See, Psalm 51 has what I would say one of the most familiar verses in the book of Psalms. Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This morning, we're going to take a closer look at why King David wrote those words. So I went fishing with one of my boys a while back and all of a sudden he pulls out his phone and snaps a quick picture of himself. It wasn't anything special, so I I just asked him, what are you doing? He told me that it's an app that requires him to send a picture within two minutes of getting the notification. It's a picture that takes a picture of what he's looking at as well as a selfie of him. I was like, okay. So the notification comes in at random times of the day, and so there's no way to really prepare for it. It's called Be Real. Much of what we see on social media, I would say today, is manipulated, edited, staged. But Be Real could be kind of that anti-social media site where it shows you what you're like at any given time. People, I believe, are tired of seeing people only at their best. I think often we fall into the trap here, maybe even here at church, right? I know I'm guilty of it at times. I I feel down or hurting and not feeling really all that loving at times. But when asked, how are we doing, we simply answer what? Fine. Good. And we talk about, really, the positive things. Well, I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. It's not. But are we really willing, when we ask a person how they're doing, to really get an honest response from them? Are we willing to step into that? Because you know what? It's going to cost you something if you do. Especially your time. God wants us to be real with him. He knows we still sin. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. That is why God, in his infinite wisdom, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us. 
So as faithful followers of Christ, we need renewal. And it starts with honesty and openly coming to God just as we are. No more masks. So to help give you some context of this psalm, this psalm was written nearly a year after King David's grievous sin of adultery and premeditated murder. You're like, what? If you're not familiar with your Bible, you're going, okay, I'm interested. Wait, no. It wasn't until the prophet Nathan confronted him that he finally got to the end of himself. So let's read it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then... I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. With a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good design in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and in whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. So at the core of this psalm is a prayer of David for renewal. This psalm can serve us well, I think, today as as we look at how David approaches his failure, his brokenness, his sin. It will also serve as a model for how we should respond to our own sin and failings. Think about New Year's resolutions. We make them and break them about as fast as we make them, right? Well, why? Because New Year's gives us an opportunity to start over to start new. We want a fresh start because we have lost our way in one or more areas of our life. See, we all need renewal in our personal life, in our family life, in our relationships, in our marriages. We know we want it, but why don't we do it regularly? Well, I would say much of it comes from our pride. We don't want to expose or admit our failures and scars to anyone, especially to God. 
you know, they say hindsight's 2020. And if you could go back and change a decision we made because of the wake of consequences that it had on us and those around us, we would do it in a heartbeat. But as we know, we can't go back. We can learn, but we must move forward. I often remind myself that the only thing that I control is me. I can't control anybody else. So what I am going to do with God's guidance and leading, that's the question. What am I going to do? As David begins in verse 1 and 2, he appeals to God's love and compassion and petitions the Lord to forgive him, calling on the fullness of God's grace. He's crying for cleansing. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out your transgressions. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. See, in verse, these verses, David's acknowledging really two of God's character traits. His mercy and his steadfast, or we could even translate it unfailing love. David knew that there was nothing he could do about his failure. It was only God that could make him clean again. It's interesting to note that David uses three verbs that identify what he's looking for and what only God can do. So at the end of verse 1, he says, God blot out his transgressions, his sins. And then it says this provides this picture of sins kind of, in a sense, being erased like a whiteboard is erased when you're done using it. He continues in verse 2, wash me which now moves to this idea of personally removing the sin that's kind of on you. And then lastly, cleanse me, which brings with it the idea of purification at the deepest level spiritually. See, now David uses three nouns to describe his sin. Transgressions, iniquity, and sin. They all have a bit of a different emphasis but generally, David is saying that his sin is far-reaching and comprehensive. He's laying everything before God. He's not withholding anything from his prayer and request for renewal. I think oftentimes we think we can hide our sin from God. However, we see early, as early as the Garden of Eden, that's pretty early, that God knows when we've sinned. We can't hide it. And we especially can't hide it from him. I don't know why I try to, and, and we see, I, I'm sorry, I don't know why I try to, and we see David admit that he's, gonna, he's trying to hide this stuff. He's trying to stuff it. He's really at the end of himself. But he's still not willing to come clean. And God sends Nathan, again, this is context, the prophet to confront the king of his unconfessed sin. Props to Nathan the prophet for being willing to obey God and comfort and confront a powerful king. Not an easy task. So in verse 3, David writes, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. See, David couldn't shake his sin. No matter what he tried to do, it had been confronted and dealt with. But see, in verse 4, we see David returns to the character of God and his holiness 
and acknowledges that his sin, yes, it was grievous and it impacted people around him, but he understood his sin and error of his ways was really against God himself. Verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. In verse 5 and 6, David now admits to God that he's a sinner from birth. And David understood at an early age, so if you think back of his life, those of you that are familiar with him, that God desired truth and wisdom from him. And David had that early. But he understands the depth of his sin. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. The band Lifehouse released a song named Broken in 2007. And I think it relates well to this idea to what David was feeling. The weight of his sin was crushing him and he had nowhere to turn except to God. The lyrics go, I'm falling apart, I'm barely breathing with a broken heart that's still beating. In the pain, there is healing. In your name, I find meaning. So I'm holding on, I'm holding on, I'm holding on, I'm barely holding on to you. See, David knew he was king because of God. God had led him and David had obeyed in some of the hardest situations in his earlier life. However, it seems that that life had become more comfortable and easy for David. The nation of Israel was routing its enemies and they were feared by all surrounding nations. I believe David began to forget day by day that all of his successes was from God in the first place and began to believe that he was the one that was great. His dependent trust in God had faded not overnight, but over time. I'm reminded of the song, Cast by Casting Crowns, Slow Fade. It talks about how it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a day. It happens over time, but slowly over that time, we find out we fully walked away and disobeyed God. So as we move to verse 7, we, we see a shift in David's psalm or his prayer to God. He petitions God as he writes. He is pleading with God to cleanse him. In verse 7, it says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Well, just as a note, hyssop is a flower. You know, um, it's usually purple. And it was used at religious ceremonies to sprinkle sacrificial blood on the altar. And that represented the removal of sin through the shedding of blood. But then in verse 8 we see, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Well, God was continuing to pursue David. He wouldn't let him go. He was allowing this pain and despair in his life, these broken bones figuratively. 
And then David says, hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Again, David sees the nature of his sin. And he's humbled. He's asking God to have mercy and and show his grace by blotting again out his iniquities. He's come to a realization that what he has done is a severe sin. Well, in these next three verses, notice that David petitioned God first. See, he understands that God is, <clears throat> is the only one that can do the transformational work of forgiveness. In 1 John 1, 8 and 9, the Apostle John, speaking of Jesus, says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. However, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is not work we can do on our own. Let's remember that. It is only something that Jesus Christ can do through his death on the cross that paid for our sins. See, Jesus substituted himself for each of us. In David's confession of his transgressions against God, we then see now David prays and pleads to God for an inner renewal of heart and soul. There's a plea for spiritual renewal. And this very familiar verse starts it off in verse 10. Create in me a clean or pure heart, O God, and renew a right, or we could even say steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. In verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Again, David has returned to, I believe, his earlier days of thinking in his life. They were full of difficulties. But he trusted God then. He remembers this and as I think he prays and sings, he wants to get back to where he was before. He wants to start new. He wants to be a man after God's own heart. But it's serious work. James 4.8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, David is now well aware of his sin and was willing to humbly confess it so that he could again be close to God. But I think it's important to note that God didn't distance himself from David. It was the other way around. Think of it this way. The closer you are to a cell tower, the stronger and faster the signal you receive. Basically, what happened was David walked away from God, the tower, and his strength and power continued to diminish to a point that he had a very spotty connection with God. Well, in these three pivotal verses, we see David acknowledges God and asks God for his help. He was at the bottom. Even though from the outside he was a king and could pretty much do whatever he wanted. He was empty, he was discouraged, he was restless, and he was distant from God. Any of this kind of 
connecting with you where you might be at times. But because of his confession, he acknowledged his sin and disobedience and asked God to step in and do his renewing work in his inner being. So let's remember that it is still the work of the Holy Spirit that brought David under conviction of his sin at this particular time. When we read these words, clean heart, right spirit, willing spirit, these characteristics are evidence, these are the evidence of lasting change and transformation that will allow David as well as all, as well as us as followers to do the same thing for a change that will endure. I think the lesson here is that we need to keep as short of an account as possible of our sin with God. He is ready to restore and renew us. But he will not force you, but he will welcome you back just like the parable of the uh, prodigal son. Some writers feel that David in verse 11 when he writes, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me is remembering his own anointing as king back in 1 Samuel 16, 13 where it says the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that, from that forward. He didn't want to lose. I'm just thinking he didn't want to lose what he had, that he had been promised. And in verse 12, David uses the phrase, joy of your salvation. To be clear, his reference to salvation is basically the deliverance from the penalty and power of sin. And the word joy here is really a way to celebrate God's presence. In John 16, 22, Jesus shares with his disciples before he goes to the cross that their sorrow would be short-lived. He says, so also you have sorrow now. But I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Joy in Jesus is eternal. A willing spirit is not the Holy uh, a willing spirit here is not referring to the Holy Spirit, but is referring to the core of who David is and his desire to have a generous or a heart that is inclined to do God's work. Well, now that David, you know, not, now that the Holy Spirit has stirred David's heart convicted him of his sin, and David has done the work of true confession and repentance, what's next? If the psalm ended right here, we'd seem like, what kind of ending is this? So once David or we receive forgiveness, what should our response be? Well, we find some answers in the next several verses. Verse 13, we see that David will share what he has learned about God and more important, he will teach others of God's character and ways. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. For David to be able to teach this, he himself would have had to experience that type of forgiveness. Which gives him a deep understanding and I believe a passion to share with others. 
And then in verse 14, David again, knowing the depth of his premeditated murder, his adultery, it says, deliver me from blood guiltiness. And asking God to take away his guilt as as he's already confessed multiple times earlier. In a sense, I think David here, with the words, O God, O God of my salvation, he's pleading, he's begging for forgiveness. But I wanted to be clear that David is not asking many times to be forgiven as if God needed to hear three times from him. But it's his response of, wow, I have really walked away. And we read some of it earlier in Psalm 103. It says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As the Father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That is good news. But it also seems like David's reminding God, um, hey, not that God needs a reminder, um, that you're a God of grace and mercy. Remember, so when you're forgiven me, I'm good, right? And now we see these beautiful pictures of Dave's restoration and an ability to truly worship and praise God. There's this restoration of praise. Oh God, oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. See, because of his deliverance from his sin, he's now empowered by the Holy Spirit to open his mouth with true praise and worship. This is important for us as faithful followers of Christ. Because when we confess our sins, failings, and shortcomings to God, it opens the door wide open to worship. There's nothing getting in the way of our worship. But do you often feel like I do when you come to church or even just in your daily life, it's sometimes really hard to worship God. However, this psalm gives us the pathway to true worship. See, when we understand the depth of our sin and waywardness and acknowledge and confess it, we find freedom and we can celebrate and praise. Or even a better translation, it would be a ringing cry. It's that depth. Jesus spoke these words in seven, uh, Luke 7, 47. He says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Jesus has forgiven us. And the more we see how ugly our sin is, the more grateful we should become because we realize how far we have strayed from God's holiness, meaning we get to see his extravagant grace and love, even though we didn't deserve any of it. And as we conclude in these verses, it says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In verse 16, it can be a bit confusing, I'll be honest. 
um, but we, you know, if you don't understand the context. Basically, what David has to offer God is worship. It was tradition that a person would not come to the altar to give an offering empty-handed. This verse took a very old tradition, and David doesn't follow it. The sacrifice referred here literally means that which is slaughtered. And the bird offering was that same animal being placed on the altar and consumed by fire. David shares a very important truth again in these verses. See, God's not looking for more animal sacrifices. He wants David, or in our case, he wants us. He wants all of us, not just part of us. So David's saying that what is more important than these traditions of sacrifice of animals is that we offer ourselves as sacrifice. Some of you might be thinking, wait, that kind of sounds familiar. Romans 12, I think, yes. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. See, all we can do is offer to the Lord in worship is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite or a crushed heart. It is an inward change that then overflows into our outward actions. So God is calling us all to come to him as we are. We need to be real. With God. He already knows what we've done. However, as our heart sobs, the Lord puts his arms around us and says, I love you. I forgive you. So as faithful followers of Christ, we need renewal each and every day. We need to reach out to God with a broken spirit, a crushed heart. And you know what? He's going to restore us. He's going to renew us from the inside out. And the result is we will truly be able to worship him as we should. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for the work you did in David's life, but I thank you for the work you do in our lives to renew us. Lord, you're not going to force yourself on us. You're not going to say you have to do this. You want us to come willingly, but you will give us signs. You will prompt us. You will push us. You, in a figuratively, will break our bones to get our attention. Lord, may we come willingly and confess our sin to you, to confess our sin to one another when we have hurt others. But Lord, thank you for the renewal that you've promised, for your grace, your mercy, and through your son's death and resurrection. We pray this in your name. Amen.